All right, if you take your Bibles and turn to Genesis 47. Genesis chapter 47. This afternoon we want to look at some verses here in chapter 47 that have to do with conflict, conflict resolution. Now if you use that term out in the world today, you probably get all kinds of uh, possibilities for resolving conflicts. Uh, and conflicts can be... Uh, Numerous in, in their uh, in variety of ways. You can have conflicts. We could say it's trials. We could say it's a crisis time. How do we resolve those times of crisis, whether it be between uh, family members or workers? Conflicts that come about. Of course, the world has its answers through psychology and, and all kinds of uh, things that really don't work, they may put a band-aid over uh, an issue, but they don't really get to the heart of the need. And as you go through the story of Joseph, I'm convinced that Joseph had his act together. He was a man who knew how to handle himself in all kinds of situations. And for the last several months, we've been occupying ourselves with the details of Joseph's relationships, uh, his, uh, the relationship with his brothers and his father, the events of the uh, time that he spends there in Egypt and his relationships with Pharaoh and Potiphar and his wife and, and the, uh, the prison guards or the prison jailer. Uh, and it's easy to forget that while Joseph is dealing with all these things, he's really uh, managing a crisis that's come upon Egypt. By the time Joseph faces this time of trouble, he's become the master of crisis or conflict management. And if you consider all the trials that he had faced and already and, and needed to have overcome, his mother died while he was young, his family was in a state of constant upheaval, there was jealousy and hatred and infighting within his family. He was betrayed. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was lied on and falsely accused. In Egypt, he was imprisoned. The butler who promised to help him forgot him about for about two years. Uh, he was suddenly promoted to a position of prominence, of power and responsibility. And suddenly he finds himself occupied with preparing for the entire nation, to deal with famine. And in every conflict, every crisis that he faces, he displays exceptional wisdom and faith. And so in the passage we're going to look at this afternoon, we're allowed to witness how the Lord used Joseph to prevent a nation from descending into starvation and anarchy. We see Joseph use all of his skills for conflict resolution. Now chapter 42, verse 1, through chapter 47 and verse 12, 
has been kind of a parenthesis passage. And so as we pick up the story of Joseph today in chapter 47, verse 13, we are picking it up from actually uh, uh, the passage where the people are hungry, they come to Pharaoh for help, and his advice to them is, that is, Pharaoh's advice is, go to Joseph. Go unto Joseph, what he saith to, do, to you to do, you do that. And that's what the people did. And they survived this famine as a result. The people were brought to the end of themselves, to the end of their own resources, and they turned to Joseph because he knew, they knew that there was no future apart from him. Now, what Joseph did was to take steps to save the nation. He took steps to bring everything in Egypt under the authority of the throne. And we'll see this played out in the verses before us. Now, first of all, first step that he took was get a new battery. I knew that was going to happen one of these days. I'd hit a button here, and I'd need a new battery. Oh, two new batteries, probably. That's not going to work. You got a couple of AAAs back there? Anybody got a couple of AAAs on your... uh... Oh, there it went. Bring them anyway. <laughs> here. I'll keep preaching. You, you, you do the technical work here. That's what you get paid for, the big bucks. Joseph took control of their purses, first of all. And uh, we see this in verses 13 uh, through 14. Verse 13 through 14. It may not be the battery. You know, that'd be terrible if we had to do it without the... There it is. Boy, it's sluggish. You folks aren't the only ones that were sluggish this afternoon. Even the computer's sluggish. Verse 13 and 14. And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine... And, the Joseph, and Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they brought, bought. And Joseph brought the money unto Pharaoh's house. Joseph took control of their purses. Took control of all the money, in other words, in the land. All the people had placed, were placed on the same level. There was no longer rich people or poor people. There were just people. Every dime had to be brought into the control of the throne. Now, we might look at this and say, well, is this some kind of socialistic or communistic type of government? It kind of sounds like some, what some people would like for our country to be under today. Everybody the same, just people. Well, it certainly isn't a democratic form of government since that was virtually unknown in that day. 
This was a serious situation that needed serious attention. And thankfully, God raised up a man who could meet the need and take control of the situation. And so all the money was brought under the control of the throne. Now, while we live in a different age, under a different kind of government, although, like I said before, there are those who would like to take control of everything, I believe an application can be made, though, to our personal lives. For instance, who is in control of your money? Who is in control of your possessions? Even though it's difficult to do, we need to strive to bring every cent we possess under the control of the Lord. Let Him use it in the work as He sees fit. Secondly, we see Joseph took control of their possessions. Joseph took control of their possessions. In verse 15, it says, And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. And Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your, uh, give you for your cattle if money fail. And, and they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for the flocks and for the cattle of the herds and for the asses, and he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. So when the money runs out, the people trade their livestock and their possessions for food. Everything they possessed was brought under the control of the throne. And again, should not that be the same in our lives? Everything that we have and everything that we we possess should be dedicated to the glory of the Lord. You see, if you possess anything that cannot be dedicated to the Lord to be used for His glory, then what place does it have in our lives? Notice thirdly, Joseph took control of their property. We see this in verses 18 through 20. In verse 18 it says, And when that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord, how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds of cattle. There is not aught left in the sight of the Lord, but our bodies and our lands. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us in our land for bread, and we in our land will be servants unto Pharaoh, and give us seed, that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. And Joseph brought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them, so the land became Pharaoh's. And so when their money was exhausted, and their possessions were all gone, they gave Joseph their land. He, he brought that under the control of the throne. Again, everything we possess, possess should be relinquished to God for him to use as he sees fit. After all, it all came from him anyway. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Fourthly, Joseph took control of their persons. 
Joseph took control of their persons. In verse 21, it says, As for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt, even to the other end thereof. When their money, their possessions, and their property are all gone, they willingly gave themselves to be the servants of Pharaoh in exchange for food to eat. Again, let's consider ourselves. Sometimes we're able to give the Lord everything we own, but sometimes we keep back something for our own use. And He would have us to surrender the totality of ourselves on the altar of His glory. After all, if you're saved, He owns everything already. And then fifthly, Joseph took control of their positions. Again, verse 21 says he removed them from the cities, from one end of the borders of Egypt, even to the other end thereof. Joseph moved the people from the country and from the outlying areas and brought them into the cities. That's where the work and the food distribution could be more easily managed. And just a reminder, you and I have really no say in where we go or what we do. You say, well, I certainly do have a say. I'm making the decisions in my life. If I want to go here, I get in my car and I go. Well, if the car didn't start, oh, I guess I'm not going. Or what if we run into a deer? Sometimes people do that, you know. Well, are there any accidents for Christians? You see, do you really have control? Do you really say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that? We think we do. But we belong to God and we, He chooses where we serve and how long we serve and what happens while we serve there. I tell you, every church that I've pastored, I've gone there with the intent of being there the rest of my life. Every time. Well, this is, what, my third church. I can say, I determine I'm going to stay here no matter what. Nobody's going to tell me to move. But God does. He moves us. God's in control. James 4, 15 says, For ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live. And do this. Many times I, I feel uncomfortable telling somebody, I'll be there tomorrow. I like to say, if the Lord wills. I mean, I'm, my intention is to be there. To do, follow through with that. If the Lord wills. In John 3, 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing, nothing, except it be given to him from heaven. Next time you have a chance to, when you go home today, look around. Everything you have is there because of the Lord. You say, well, I worked hard for that. I, I spent a lot of hours working for that. Or I built that. You know, 
I may, not, I may sound like our president, but you didn't build that. <laughs> and it wasn't the government that built that. It's God. God gave you the, the ability. He gave you the materials. He gave you the, uh, the time. He gave you everything that you need to do what you need to do. So, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. And then the sixth thing is that Joseph took control of their production. We look at verses 23 and 24, and we read, Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day in your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is a seed for you, and ye shall sow the land, and it shall come to pass in the increase... And ye shall give the fifth part unto Pharaoh, and the four parts shall be your own, for seed of the field, and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. Verse 25, it says, And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth part, except the land of the priest only, which became not Pharaoh's. The end of the famine, everything in Egypt was under the control of the throne. Joseph was in absolute control over everything and every person. And he graciously gave the people seed to sow in the land, allowed them to keep 80% of that that they raised. Everything they produced was subject to a 20% tax. And this was what Joseph did to be sure that there was grain during the famine. And this is what he did to ensure that the people would succeed in their famine. Everything Egypt produced was brought under the authority of the throne. Now God doesn't ask you to give 20%. He doesn't even ask you to give 10%. He graciously asks us to give him 100%. Of everything we have. And when we do, he will show us how much of that 100% that he wants invested in his work and how much of that 100% we can keep for our own use. You see, our checkbooks ought to be under, brought under his control. Now, some people would criticize Joseph for these tactics. They see him creating a feudal system where everything is controlled by a central power. No one owns the land, no one owns his own houses, no one can get ahead in a system like that. Some people have a hard time believing he would institute a 20% income tax on the people. Can you imagine if that's all you had to pay? 20%? Income tax, social security tax, gas tax, road tax, county tax, city tax, sales tax, usage tax. And it all came up to 20%? That's... Quite something. But the people of Egypt did not criticize Joseph. In fact, they credited him for saving their lives, as you see there in verse 25. They saw him as a savior of their nation. Again, this passage is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same advice that Pharaoh gave Egypt regarding Joseph has been given to us regarding Jesus. John 2 and verse 5 says... His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. 
Now, in Egypt, Joseph's desire was to bring everything under the control of what he knew, unless he could consolidate power in Egypt, the country would tear itself apart and famine would would come. He knew the rich would oppress the poor. He knew the nation would be ripped to pieces by rebellion and revolution and upheaval. And so to stop this from happening, he took control of everything and brought it under his, his authority. <clears throat> Jesus wants to have that same thing in our own lives. He knows that we, if we are left to ourselves, we will bring ourselves to ruin. But if we yield, our, uh, yield control of everything we have and are to him and his authority, he will bless us. He'll use us beyond our wildest dreams. I wonder this afternoon, are the areas of your life I mentioned under his control? Does he control your purse, your possessions, your property, your person, your position, your production? And he has if you let him. He will if you let him. Now that was the introduction. Usually we have a short introduction and a long message. Today we're going to have a long introduction and a short message. So in Joseph's dealings with the people, I see a few important principles for living that we, may not, we should not pass over today. These principles make all the difference when a conflict or a trial or a crisis comes in our lives. These principles teach us the real value of the conflict we face. And so first of all, number one, conflict is no respecter of persons. Conflict is no respecter of persons. When the famine came to Egypt, it came to everyone. The poor, the rich, even royalty, everyone is affected. The same is true in this life. Every person in this world is affected by crisis from time to time. We've almost worn out the words in Job 14.1, 14.1, where it says, Man is born of a woman of, is of few days and full of trouble. And the words of Jesus in John 16.33, In the world ye shall have tribulation. And often in this life, it seems we're just moving from one conflict to the next. Of course, we're not alone. We see this happening to people all around us. This life is a life filled with crisis moments. No one gets out of this world without facing moments of conflict. And that's what Solomon saw in his life. Ecclesiastes 2.17, Therefore I hated life, because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous unto me, for all is vanity and vexation of spirit. In chapter 2 and verse 22, it says, For that hath man of all his labor and a vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun, For all his days are sorrows, his travail, grief, yea, his heart taketh not rest in the night. This is also vanity. This is how I see it, too. Conflict is no respecter of persons. Secondly, conflict causes us to rethink our purposes. When this crisis came to Egypt, the people were told to do one thing. Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And from that moment on, the people of Egypt had just one purpose. They had just one duty. They were to obey Joseph and do exactly what he said to do. And sometimes it takes a a crisis moment 
in our lives to remind us of our purpose in life. Sometimes we lose focus on life. We find ourselves doing things the Lord doesn't want us to do, going places where He doesn't want us to go, being with someone the Lord doesn't want us to be with. And if we're saved, our first and foremost duty is to do exactly what the Lord tells us to do. That is our sole purpose before the Lord. We're to be what be who he wants us to be. We're to go where he wants us to go. We're to do what he wants us to do. Our primary duty is to fulfill the totality of ourselves and give it to him completely and allow him to use us as he sees fit. There's nothing like conflict to cause a person to rethink your purpose. And you bring it down to the bottom line, our main duty is to Be who He wants us to be. No one comes to the end of their life and says, Oh, I wish I'd lived my life another way. Do we sometimes hear people say that? Later in life, I wish I'd made some different decisions. I wish I had done this instead of that. I wish I'd done something else with my life. Well, whether you're in a conflict or not, we need to ask ourselves a few questions. What am I doing? What does God want me to do? Am I being responsible? Am I being obedient to Him? Conflict is no respecter of persons. Conflict causes us to rethink our purposes. Thirdly, conflict causes us to reevaluate our priorities. When the crisis came to Egypt, suddenly things like money and possessions and lands and power, they, were, uh, they meant nothing. What good is money when there is no food? If the stores, uh, shelves on the store are empty, what good is it to have money? You can't go buy anything. What good are the lands and the power and the stuff when you're starving to death? These people wanted to survive and they knew their possessions would not see them through and they needed help. And they could only get it from Joseph. And as people move through life, they sometimes focus on things that really don't matter. And what happens is they just lose the things that really do matter. For instance, consider people who put their jobs ahead of their families. Many people have lost their families because their job was more important to them than their family was. What about people who put recreation ahead of their marriages? Marriages have been broken. Divorces have been made because of someone's desire to play instead of work. What about people who put their plans ahead of God's plans for their lives? What about people who live their lives to gratify their flesh and satisfy their wants with no regard for what God wants them to do? A trial has the power to cause us to rethink the things that are important in our life. And when conflict comes, you're reminded just how valuable your relationship with your spouse is. When conflict comes, you're reminded of how important your family is. And when conflict comes, you're reminded how valuable your church family is. When conflict comes, you are reminded of just how important your relationship with the Lord is. Why wait for the crisis? Why wait for the conflict? 
Look at your priorities today. Who really comes first? You or the Lord? What is your real priority in life? Conflict is no respecter of persons. Conflict causes us to rethink our purposes. Conflict causes us to reevaluate our priorities. And fourthly, conflict causes us to reestablish our principles. You'll notice here that all the land in Egypt came under the authority of the throne except for the lands that belonged to the priest. Verse 22. The priests were cared for by Pharaoh and their needs were met by the decree of the king and Joseph was unwilling to take over the sacred things. They were more important than the immediate crisis. And when we are thrown into a crisis moment, we will learn what is truly sacred to us. We'll find out that, uh, of what we can't live without. We'll discover that many things we love and cling to is really just fluff. And when hard times come, we find out what, is truly, what truly matters. What are the things you're willing to give up under any circumstances? What is it that you won't sell? You know, a crisis or conflict or trial will reveal those things to you. You'll hold on to those things that truly matter and gladly turn loose those things that do not. You see, the conflicts of life do not make us, but they have the power to reveal what we are made of and what we value. Remember the building of the house, houses on the sand and the rock in Matthew chapter 20 or 7? The houses looked the same. The storm was the same. And it wasn't the storm that, ch- that changed the houses. When the floods came and uh, the winds blew, those things merely revealed what the foundation was. If you've built your life on the shifting sands of this world, the crisis will destroy your life. If you have founded your life on the bedrock of God's word, then crisis will not take away the things that matter most. No matter what you may lose in the crisis, you may still have the things that matter to you. I've seen people shaken by the winds of adversity, assaulted by the waves of affliction. I've seen them lose much of what they have in this world, but I have seen many of those same people come out of that crisis stronger than they entered in. Why? Because they built their house on the unchanging principles of God's word and they survived the storm. Others who had nothing but the changing principles of this world lost everything when the storm came. Now why did Joseph thrive when others around him failed? I believe it's because he saw every moment in life as a God moment if you please. He realized that God was at work in him and around him all the time. And so everything he did, he sought to honor the Lord. Good times he lived for the Lord and bad times he lived for the Lord. He understood all of life, even the times of conflict and crisis and trial were a part of God's plan. Someone has said the hardest part of the Christian life is living it. I say amen to that. It's a real struggle to keep uh, all of my life under his authority. 
and I'm sure it's the same for you. It's a real struggle for me to keep my purpose and my priorities and my principles of life in line with His will for me. Is it that way for you? But I find it's worth the effort. When my life lines up with His will for me, I can live in confidence and power, and that's what He wants, how He wants me to live. As you look at your life this afternoon, can you honestly say that everything you have and are has been brought under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you honestly say that your purposes, your priorities, your principles are aligned with His? When I look at the life of Joseph, I'm reminded that he never did get free from the crisis. Never did. Sometimes young people think, boy, when I get out of school, things are going to be a lot easier, aren't they? Hey, you that have been in school and are out of school, is life easier? No. Young couple gets married and they have some children. Boy, when these children grow up, things are going to be a lot easier. No. The crisis, the conflict, the trial never stops. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he'll see you through the the conflict. I trust that as we go through life, we'll realize how important giving him our all really means. We talked about that in our morning message about the call to poverty. Maybe it's a call to trial and conflict. Giving him our all, and he will return to us a hundredfold. Blessing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you.